0: Hello and welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast and Sermon Archives. If you would like more information about our church, you can go online to alcalabaster.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you and please enjoy this week's message. Will y'all excuse me if I preach and rolled up sleeves and a wet shirt? <laughs> um... I may summarize my message just to save time for a little bit today, but I do believe that God has given me a word and I believe it has been confirmed and so I'm going to preach on because I just, I feel like this is something that we need to hear. So if you want to go ahead and be seated today, thank God for everything that he has done so far in this service. I'm going to be preaching out of Isaiah today. And Isaiah is one of my favorite books to read and one of my favorite books to not only read but to study. It's one of the longest books in the Bible and it contains a lot of information when you dig into it. There's warnings, corrections, prophecy, hope, theology, doctrine, and salvation all in the book of Isaiah. And sometimes we're guilty of this and this is something that I myself has been guilty of is that we enjoy the good parts of Isaiah. We enjoy the messianic prophecies of Jesus and how he was coming to save the world. But there's much more to the book of Isaiah than that. It's very easy at Christmas and Easter to preach about Isaiah and unto us a child is born. But we have to go back into the beginning because we have to look at the events in Isaiah that led up to that. The first chapters in the book of Isaiah serve as a warning of how Israel had become corrupted with sin. And these same things that Israel struggled with are alive and present in the church today. You see, there are no new sins. Satan has not invented anything new. They may have just been repackaged for our day and age, and they may have had a new look for the time that we live in, but sin is still sins. Things that they faced back in the times of Isaiah, we still face today. And the reason why I like Isaiah and the reason why I wanted to preach this message today is something that has been on my heart is we have to be careful that we do not allow ourselves to enter into the same place that Israel had. But the good news is is at the end of the book both for Israel and us today there is the hope of a Savior and that is Jesus Christ. Because His death on the cross we can be free. We can still receive salvation today and we can still take back the parts of the church that Satan has tried to corrupt. And a message that I heard recently that has been stuck in my head was from Youth President Josh Carson at North American Youth Congress. And it stood out to me because many times we struggle with things. It seems like we just can't overcome some things, but he made a profound statement. He said the reason why we struggle with things in the church is because we're afraid to call them out. He said the reason why we have things that are so prevalent in the church today that Satan has infiltrated is because we have allowed him to. And then a friend of mine had posted something on Facebook this morning that was along those same lines and she had said that you will never overcome something that you tolerate. There are things in Abundant Life Church that we will never get rid of as long as we tolerate them. And Sister Roberts had forwarded me an article recently from Charisma Magazine that had talked about how spirit-filled preachers and pastors needed to get back to preaching about holiness and about righteousness. Amen. The most convicting quote of the whole article was, we don't have the fear of God anymore. There's no sense of having to give an account to God for our behavior or our beliefs or our thoughts. All the things that we should be teaching. So now we have become a user-friendly church. We have become a church that wants to make everybody feel welcome. We have become a church that is afraid of offending people. But if you go back and we look at Isaiah, and I'm going to start on Isaiah chapter 1 verse 2. Isaiah wasn't scared about offending people. Isaiah wasn't scared about what he was going to say because he knew Israel was in trouble. And you think about it this way. If you were standing on a street corner with your best friend and you saw them stepping out into the street and they didn't see the bus coming, wouldn't you yell at them? Hey, watch out. You would do everything you could to pull them back in and to save them. And I believe the church is the same way. I believe that when you stand behind this pulpit, you sometimes have to give a warning. And you say, you know what, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to do this. But God's given me something because we need something. Somebody needs to hear this. And I'm not doing my job if I don't do everything in my power to see you saved and get to heaven. Isaiah 1 and 2, Hear, O heavens, and give ear. O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared up and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. Despite how great and powerful Israel had become, they had strayed further and further from God. Now God still refers to Israel as His children, but He makes no excuse for their behavior. They were God's chosen people, and they had been blessed Beyond measure, and yet they still strayed from Him. And already we find our first warning that if we are not careful, the things that make us great can become our biggest downfall. You see, we can be so blessed that we no longer have to rely on God. I can have everything going good in my life, and all of a sudden I don't need to pray as much anymore. Everything's going great in my life. All of a sudden, church attendance is not a priority. But we find where Israel would do this for a while and things would get bad enough or a catastrophic event would happen, they would come crawling back to God. The very things that made them great were their biggest downfall. Isaiah 1 and 11. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-felled beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or lambs or of goats. And here we find where the warning goes even further because Israel was going through the motions. They had the ceremonies down. They had the sacrifices down. They had everything down perfectly like they were supposed to, yet it meant nothing because their hearts were not in it. They were simply going through the motions. I pray every day that church doesn't get to the point where it just becomes an event. Where church is just something I check off the to-do list because I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to go to church. Church has got to be more than attending on a Sunday and sometimes on Wednesdays. Church is a lifestyle that you live every single day. Church is not a spectator sport where we come in and it's an event that we purchase tickets to. Don't let me become so accustomed to the presence of God that I take it for granted. Don't let me just end up going through the motions because I know all the words to the song. Because I know the right time to amen the preacher. You see, God didn't need the sacrifices of Israel. In fact, God doesn't need anything from us today. God can get by fine without us. He was more concerned about their heart and their obedience and whether they had the sacrifices right. But you see, we've got it mixed up in this day and age where we act like we're doing God a favor because we came to church. We act like we're doing God a favor because we sacrifice something. We were called to live a life of sacrifice. We don't get a pat on the back for doing what we're supposed to do. Oh, it's about to get... I feel the Holy Ghost today. I never got a promotion on my job for just showing up right on time and just doing what I was supposed to. I got a promotion because I said I'm going to show up early. I'm going to stay late. I'm going to do extra. Maybe that's hard, but that's the way my dad raised me. Boy, you don't get a pat on the back for just doing what you're supposed to do. You get a pat on the back when you go above and beyond. So quit acting like you're doing God a favor because, oh, well, I came to prayer service instead of watching the football game. God I really sacrificed for you. No, you were supposed to be here anyway. Quit expecting God to give you blessings and stuff for something you're supposed to be doing anyway. I know I quote Victor Jackson a lot, but I love we had lunch with him, and I think Brother Roberts was at lunch that day when he said this. He said, when I gave up playing basketball, when I for 100% sure gave it up and I was not going to the pros to play basketball for a living, he said, I had people come up, pat me on the back. Way to go, Brother Jackson. You've really sacrificed for God. He looked at him like he was crazy. He said, God called me to be a preacher. I'm supposed to give it up. Why are you congratulating me on something I'm supposed to do? You can come to church, clap your hands, sing and praise all you want and still be as empty. You can still be empty because you can be going through the motions. Quit acting like we're doing God a favor. He doesn't need us. Isaiah 1 and 18, no. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they should be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. And here's where we see the first glimpse of hope. Because even though Isaiah had already been revealing these things that they were doing wrong, he said, there is something better coming though. I know you have strayed for God, but there is a hope on the horizon. Despite everything you've done, there is one coming that will take your sins away. And Isaiah 1 and 27, Zion shall be redeemed by justice for those in her who repent by righteousness. You see, God's judgment would have an effect on delivering the remnant, the small remnant that stayed true. Because remember, Israel was mighty in number at this time. Go back and read the scriptures, they were great, they had it all together. But God said, I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about the one small remnant that has chosen to stay true to me. And he said, because of that, I will build up Israel again. Because there is no life without God. He breathed life into us and without him we are dead. The small group that held on to truth will be raised up to be mightier than any nation that had ever been seen before. And despite how it may seem sometimes, there is a remnant in the church holding on to truth. And there is a few select that are saying, I refuse to compromise. I refuse to compromise what I believe. And revival is coming. And I believe the church will be mightier than it ever has before in the the last days. But it's going to be because there is a select few that held on and said, I believe this. This is what I believe. This is what the Bible says, and I refuse to compromise on that. And we dig in further because Isaiah wasn't done yet. Isaiah 2 and 6 says, For you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, because you are full of things from the east and of fortune tellers like the Philistines, and they strike hands with children of foreigners. Their land is filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasure." Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to whatever their own fingers have made. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and the Lord alone be exalted on that day. You see, God's chosen people, the ones that were called to be separate in their beliefs, the ones that were called to stand out from everybody else, had allowed the Philistine worship to enter into their place. Child sacrifice, idol worship, fortune telling, spiritual corruption and pagan rituals had become common in the church. The Israelites had also become rich off of business transactions with the enemy and they soon forgot where God had brought them from and what God had done for them and they began to only look at the things that they had built with their hands. Everything became about them it was no longer about what God has done for me but it's about what I have built what I have done and this is one of the most important warnings that we can have for today is we cannot allow the things of the world to corrupt the church We were called to be separate. We were called to be different. We were called to not fit in. We don't have to use the things of the world to grow the church. We don't have to look like the world to grow the church. We don't have to act like the world to grow the church. Isaiah was giving them a stern warning and saying, All these things you were supposed to be separated from, you have allowed into the church. The Israelites were wealthy beyond means, yet they were spiritually broke. They had everything. It said they had horses, they had chariots, they had gold and silver, yet they were spiritually broke. Isaiah 2, 20-22, and I'm trying to hurry. In that day, mankind will cast away their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship. To enter the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs, from before the terror of the Lord and the splendor of His majesty. Stop regarding man and those nostrils to his breath, for what account is he? You see, eventually there's going to come a day where the things of the world and your idols that you have placed in your life, and our idols today are not statues. Our idols today are many other things that distract us from God. But eventually there's going to come a point where you need something in your life and the world's just not going to get it done. All the things you were chasing are going to leave you empty and you're going to be sitting at home. You're going to be sitting in your car and you're going to be struggling and you're going to realize all this stuff I was chasing has not fulfilled the empty part of my soul. All this stuff that I was thinking would fix my life has done nothing for me. And they will turn back to God and realize that the glamorization of the world was only an illusion. For Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen. Because of their speech and their deeds against the Lord, they defied His glorious presence. For the looks on their faces bear witness to them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil upon themselves. And of all the things Isaiah has prophesied up to this point, all of the warnings he has given, this is probably the worst one yet. Because effeminacy, false teachings, leading people away from God, oppression of the poor, and many other evils are mentioned of things they are guilty from. But the defining thing was, he said, you are like Sodom and you don't even try to hide it. That's all right. This can be audience participation. Isaiah compared them to Sodom because they were so brazen in their sin, they didn't even try to hide it. That's the world we live in today. We cannot allow the church to get to this point. We can never allow ourselves to remain quiet about the things that oppose God. We cannot allow it to become so common that we just look at it as, well, I guess this is the day and age we live in. I guess this is just how it has to be. Well, I got a few people on board. People have become so bold in doing things they know are wrong. It used to be where people tried to hide things. I can remember being a teenager and trying to hide things from my parents because what I knew, I knew what I was doing was wrong. But now people have become so bold. They flaunt things publicly. And then what that leads into is now they justify it. We've gotten so far and we've strayed so far on some things that we're we're justifying it. It's no longer... I'm not scared to hide it. I can actually justify why I'm doing this. Even though it clearly violates the scripture, even though it clearly violates the stuff that my pastor teaches, I can justify it. Not only has our society become desensitized to certain things that used to appall us, but people have become very bold in opposing the teachings of the church. Remember that delusion and revelation come from the same source. And if you're not careful, you'll end up on the wrong path. You can be so delusioned and you can convince yourself that what you're doing is right that you ever fail to see the error of your ways. But despite all of that, Isaiah in 9, 6 through 7, for us... For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You see, up until now the prophecies had been about woe and destruction but we get a glimpse again of what was coming. That there was supposed to be a Savior coming that would be more powerful than the world had ever seen. A Savior so powerful that He could wipe this corruption out of the church. A Savior so powerful that He could turn the people back to God. Isaiah chapter 10, 20 and 23. And that day the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no more lean on him who struck them, but they will lean on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. A remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. For though the people of Israel may be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant will return. Listen to that again. Israel was as great as the sand of the sea, yet God says there's only a small sliver of them that will return back to righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts will make this a fully and as decreed in all the midst of the earth. God has a revival prepared for the remnant. God got to the point where he said, I'm not concerned about the rest of them that don't want to do right. I've given you the plan. I've given you what you're supposed to do. If you don't want to do right, that's fine. Go down that road. I'm here for the remnant, the ones that held still fast in truth. Isaiah 44, 21 through 22. Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you, you are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Now we start to see the message of repentance and grace. There was a day coming where we would no longer be required to go to the priest's and Him make a sacrifice for the atonement of our sins. We will be able to approach the presence of God directly and to repent. And this is what gives us hope today. Because you look at everything that Isaiah mentioned Israel was guilty of. Yet he said you can repent. There's not a person in this place today that has messed their life up so bad you can't come back to God. If you look at what Israel did, I doubt anybody in here has sinned as bad as Israel had. Yet God said, you can come back to me. This is your hope. You can come back to me. But it doesn't just stop there. Isaiah 49, 8 through 12. And thus saith the Lord, in a time of favor I have answered you. And in a day of salvation I have helped you. I will keep you and give you a covenant to the people to establish the land, to approaching approach the desolate heritages. Saying to the prisoners, come out to those who are in darkness. Appear and they shall feed along the ways. On all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger, they shall not thirst. You see, God is not just a God of repentance and grace. God is a God of restoration. He said, it's not just enough that I'm going to forgive you for your sins and bring you out of where you're at. I'm going to restore your life to before sin. I'm going to restore the things that have caused you anguish. I'm going to restore those things. There is a hope for a Savior. But again, it didn't just stop there. Isaiah 62 and 12. And they shall be called the holy people, redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. You see, we, God had redeemed us, so we are no longer bound. We repent. We're forgiven. We've been restored, but now we can be redeemed. When you redeem something, you own it. God is saying, you are now part of my family. I have taken you out of what was broken. I have forgiven you of that. I have put your life back together and fixed it, and to take it a step further, now you belong in my family. You have been restored. You've been redeemed. There is the hope of a Savior. And I'm hurrying through and I'm getting ready to conclude because I believe God's got something in store for somebody today. I don't believe we're done. But the best part of this is, the conclusion of this though is, we know a Savior is coming, but we have to know who that Savior is. If we don't know who the Savior is, how can we be saved? If we don't know who to worship, how can we truly worship? The hope of our Savior resides in Jesus Christ. You see, Isaiah could not have made things more clear. And the entire book contains so much oneness theology. Go back and study Isaiah. It is fantastic when it comes to oneness theology. Because as we get ready to conclude, I want to give you a few examples of this. In the Old Testament prophecies, you take those out of Isaiah and you compare those to the life of Jesus Christ. See, Isaiah 43 and 3 says, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba, in exchange for you. Isaiah claims that God is the only one and the Savior of Israel, yet the entire New Testament claims Jesus Christ is our Savior. The one who died on the cross. The one who came to redeem all humanity. Isaiah 43 and 11 I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Isaiah proclaims there is no other God besides the God of Israel. There is only one Savior. There is only one Almighty. Now, I'm not real good at English, but I did go look it up. If you look up the word Almighty, that's the top. If you are the Almighty One, Almighty, there can be no more mighty than you. If you are the Almighty, Savior, the only Savior, you can be the only Savior. Yet in Luke 2 and 11, For unto you is born this day the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Galatians 2 and 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Isaiah said the Spirit of God will reside in you. And in Galatians, they're saying the Spirit of Jesus Christ will reside in you. Philippians 2, 6 through 8, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of servant, being born in the likeness of man, being found in human form, humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death on the cross. Hebrews 5 and 9. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all that obey him. If we could stand today, I want to bring you that there is a hope of a Savior But we know who that Savior is. There can only be one Savior. There can only be one source of salvation. There can only be one Almighty. Only one throne. There can't be God the Savior and God or and Jesus the Savior. They have to be one and the same. Jesus Christ, robed in flesh, is our Savior. In Him we have hope. Now this is bringing the part where I think think something's going to happen. Because Isaiah was telling Israel, this is going to be kind of hard to comprehend. This is a prophecy. This is not going to happen till long down the road. This is something you're going to have to pass along to the generations. He said, but there's coming a day where all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord. All you have to do is mention the name Jesus. And that blood that flowed down from the cross can cover you. At the mention of Jesus Christ, miracles can happen. At the mention of Jesus Christ, healings can take place. At the mention of Jesus Christ, families can be restored. At the mention of Jesus Christ, addictions can be broken. He says, I know you've suffered a lot, but there is a day coming, and we have hope in a Savior. I believe there's some people today, you feel like Israel. You feel like you've just been going through it. You just can't do that. You can't go any further. You can't make it through these things. And Jesus is standing there with open arms saying, just call on my name. Just come to me. Just come and worship me. Brother Roberts has been talking about Binding and loosening a lot. And I think we have bound some things. And I'm ready, I'm ready for some things to be loosed. There's a boldness that has been loosed in this place. where we start just proclaiming what we believe. There should be no doubt when you leave abundant life church on a Sunday, what we stand for, what we believe. But let me tell you, does it doesn't come without conflict. Good friend of mine, Amato Wezar. You can find him on Facebook. He pastors out in California. There was a a thing going around in his community at his public library. where they were going to have drag queens come in and and read books to children. Drag queen hour. So I don't remember the whole thing of it. It was it was in his community, like not far from his church. And so he just stood up and said, I. We don't believe in that. We're not going to participate. I know other city leaders, I know other churches have gone in supported this, but we're just not going to do it. He wasn't militant about it. He just said, this is what I believe. He made a post right before we started Sunday school. I was looking through Facebook, and he made a post. He showed up to church this morning, and his entire church had been graffitied on the outside about how they hate people and hate and this and that. So let me tell you, when you start proclaiming what you believe, the devil's not going to go down easy. When you start proclaiming what you believe, expect some pushback. But like Isaiah said, I know the Almighty. I know that there is one that is greater. And so I've come today that if we really proclaim that we believe in spiritual warfare, then it's time we start calling out some things in the church that we start saying, you know what, I'm just not going to stand for that anymore. Spirits, you must leave Abundant Life Church because we don't tolerate that around here anymore. I know that makes people uncomfortable to talk about spirits. I know that makes people uncomfortable. But guess what? It's real. They cast out demons in the Bible last time I checked. They fought spirits in the Bible last time I checked. I don't think any of that stopped in 2019. We've just become more tolerant of it. If we could just all come to the front right now. I feel a spirit of boldness in this place that if some Holy Ghost filled people come down front and we start just in spiritual warfare or we start just binding the things that have come against this church and against this city. And when we start saying, you know what Satan, you just, I've had enough of it. I've had enough of it. I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I'm tired of seeing everybody else living the way they're living. I'm just tired of it. I'm ready for a change. Is there anybody here today that would proclaim that? To say, I know who the Almighty is and I know that when I call upon the name of Jesus, yes, I know there's going to be some warfare. I know there's going to be some bad times and some rough times ahead, but it's worth it to make it through. You see, because even though Israel was going to be redeemed and they had the hope for the Savior, they still had to face their judgments. They still had to go through some things. But right now, come on, that's it. Let's lift up the name of Jesus all over this place. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online to www.alcalabaster.com and don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so that you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and have a great week.